This is History Replays Today, the Richmond History Podcast. Thank you very much for listening. My name is Jeff Major. I hope you're having a fantastic day. This is episode 49, and on the show I actually have two guests. The first guest is uh, is super exciting. Uh, I was actually able to contact and interview, sit down with Elizabeth Arnold Poe. Uh, she is better known as Eliza, uh, and in her day, she was better known as an incredibly famous actress. Um, but today, she's best known for being the mother of Edgar Allan Poe. Um, talk to her first, and then the second half of the show, we'll actually be talking to uh, Debbie Phillips, who is the Director of Operations for Richmond Discoveries. And she developed a program called The Life and Times of Eliza Poe. Uh, I sat down with both the women in the former caretaker's house at the Richmond National Cemetery on Williamsburg Road, just on the ed- the eastern border of Richmond and Henrico. Um, and the, that, that house is now the office of Richmond Discoveries. Now, go check it out if you've never been to the cemetery. That, it's a really beautiful little national cemetery over there. A lot of people don't realize it exists. Uh I want to say 25 miles around Richmond, the uh, Union soldiers that were buried that were found around in that area were actually moved to that cemetery. Um, Interesting, interesting on its own. There is one Confederate soldier there, but that's a different show. Uh, Eliza Poe, uh, she actually lived from 1787, and uh, she was born then and passed away on December 8th, 1811. And... You can see her live around the, the city at uh, you know different events with the Poe Museum, St. John's, or Richmond Discoveries. Um, so definitely keep an eye out for that. Uh, well worth your time. And, and if you don't know, Richmond Discoveries is a tour company here in Richmond. They incorporate a large number of um, living history characters in their, in their events. Um, you can find out more information at richmonddiscoveries.com or on their Facebook page. And as well... And as always, check out History Replays today on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram. It's History Replays today on all those things except at History Replays on Twitter. And you can let me know what you think of the show. Um, do it. But we're going to start out uh, actually with a, uh, the, the, without the, the normal transition music that I put in here. Um, I'm going to start out, uh, we're going to go with a song by Eliza Poe um, called The Market Lasts. And it's, the, it's, it's actually the song that she n- debuted singing this song at the age of nine. Um, so uh, at the end of that song, I actually start out trying to you know, set some ground rules and just trying to figure out uh, how she'd like to be addressed. Eliza, Elizabeth, or, you know, Though my dad I must own is but poor, his cot can each comfort supply. The vine tendril curls round his door, and streamlets meander anigh. The vine tendril curls round his door, and streamlets meander anigh. Health reigns and rewards daily toil, I rise at the lark's early song. 
and meeting my swain at the stile to market i trip it along to market i trip it i trip it along to market i trip it along my mother was Elizabeth Arnold, beautiful actress, formerly of the Covent Garden Theatre in London. I was named for her, but I always enjoyed being called Eliza. It helped to distinguish, and mother's the one that called me that. Okay, and, and you are British, right? You're yes. born in England? Yes, I was born in London in the spring of 1787. Okay, fair enough. Uh, and what, when, when did you guys come to the States? Well, my father died when I was very small. I don't have many memories of him. I was eight years old when my mother and I arrived in Boston. On January the 5th of 1796, we arrived on the Outram, and mother's arrival was announced in the Boston newspapers. Oh, wow. I was so proud. <laughs> and she's an actress herself. Yes, she was, uh, she was a favorite upon the London stage. Uh, in the arrival notice, they mentioned that she had been recently hired by one of the local theaters and was going to be a great asset to Boston's theater. Excellent. Boston had a very active theatrical community at that time, as they mm -hmm. still do today. Mm -hmm. And um, directly into performance, your mom already had roles set up? She's just, just joining the company, or...? From what I understand, she had made arrangements with the company to begin performing upon her arrival. She began performing very soon after our arrival in Boston, and I would make my debut on the stage that April at her benefit, which would be at the close of the season. So she performed for approximately three or four months Fair enough. for so that season. Nowadays, most actors, successful actors, are stupidly rich, probably beyond what their means are. Um, would you guys have been comfortable or well-off? or? We were comfortable. Uh, actors and actresses at that time certainly did not enjoy the esteem that they appear to enjoy in your time. Uh, we traveled a great deal, as was customary. We followed the seasons. And at times, when traveling upon the road, one is often thrown into various living situations which may be compromising to certain ladies. At least the upper classes of society seem to think so. Because of that, we were rather looked down upon. Further, while we were compensated, as long as we were performing, if there was any illness, there was very little recourse to provide for your family if, if you became ill or if you were not allowed to perform or you had not been cast for some reason. Mm. In my second marriage, my husband, David, will stress very frequently about funds. In fact, after the birth of our second son, Edgar, he will leave the family for several months in Boston to beg money of his wealthier relations. He tells one of his cousins that the most awful moment of his life has arrived and he must seek aid. And he was looking for monetary assistance from his cousins and his family in, Mil in Maryland and in Pennsylvania. Unfortunately, he was not successful, and when he returned to the family, uh, but a few months later, uh, the, uh, my situation had not improved necessarily, as he had not been with us to earn mm -hmm. by my side. And I had a very profitable benefit that spring. Oh. I was very thankful for that. Mm -hmm. um, and what is his job? My husband, David, mm -hmm. 
David was an actor. Uh, David came from a very distinguished family in Baltimore. His father, David Poe Sr., was called general by the people of that city because of his aid to them during the Revolutionary War. And the Marquis de Lafayette uh, apparently relied quite heavily upon him when he was in the area. Mr. Poe had hoped that his son and his namesake would study the law. David was apprenticed to a lawyer. However, he loved the theater. And he left the law, much to his father's chagrin, to join the traveling band of bards. He performed for some time in Baltimore and in Charleston before he joined with our company. Uh, we were performing in Virginia at the time when he joined uh, with the Virginia company. My husband at the time was another actor named Charles Hopkins. So when I first made the acquaintance of David Poe, I was already married to another. Mm. And so what's the maiden? What's your maiden name? Arnold. Arnold. Okay. And so we've kind of skip forward a bit. Um, you said you mentioned that when you first arrived in the United States, you began performing quite quickly. My mother did. I, I joined her upon the stage that spring with the Market Lass, which mm-hmm. is a delightful diversion that's meant to cure ills of the spleen. Uh, I find that it has great success in those endeavors. Thereafter, I did perform very regularly with my mother. It was usually two to four plays or after pieces per night, three to five nights per week. Okay. When we were not traveling, we were often performing in various cities. And the performance has medical? Or is that a saying that, that I'm familiar with? Good for the spleen. Oh, well, you, you understand, of course, that when one becomes ill, it is because various humors in their bodies are imbalanced. And uh, we, we firmly believe that various diversions and, and enjoyments will help to rebalance those humors, uh, particularly uh, when when one is experiencing, um, I believe that the spleen produces the yellow bile. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we we find that it it, it helps to soothe one uh, when they listen to these delightful songs. Mm -hmm. The, uh, I think the ambulance just went by that would disagree. With your with your medical training, is that what that was? But but that's okay. We'll uh, we'll you know, <laughs> different times, different times. Um, but uh, yeah, so you become quite popular. I'm assuming you're be working regularly, or is is there this, a similar fame uh, that would go around as as we have today, or is this uh, um, you know moving from city to city where the communications have been able to produce the a star with moderate success okay yes uh, for instance when i performed in boston before uh well in, in 17 and 96 i was very well received by the public mm-hmm. they said that my powers were astonishing though i was miss though i was a miss of but nine years when i returned to boston to perform it was Ten years later, they did not remember me. Mm. I was announced as a new performer. Uh, they had perhaps considered announcing that Miss, formerly Miss Arnold, but it, it was simply was not announced. Same with Charleston. I performed in Charleston with my mother and my stepfather uh, in the 1797 and 1798. And when I returned there in 18 and 10, I was announced as a new actress as well. Brutal. So it, 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 it was at times frustrating to reestablish oneself in a city where one had previously enjoyed such success. 
However, I always enjoyed the challenge, mm. and the audiences were, while critical, also very gratifying. And uh, so you met your first husband in the company? Yes. Uh, my mother had passed away in the summer of 1798 in North Carolina while we were traveling from Charleston to the, the theater in Richmond, Virginia. My stepfather was Charles Tubbs. He and my mother met on the boat coming from England to Boston and were married shortly after their arrival in Boston. Oh. So my stepfather remained with me. Uh, we traveled north to Richmond and then onward to Philadelphia. Mr. Wignell was the actor and the manager of the Chestnut Street Theater, which was the largest and the most ornate theater in America at the time. He was known for being a particular favorite of George Washington, and he was a comic genius. He saw a great promise in me, which I saw as a direct testimony to my mother's very careful tutelage in training me for the theater. My stepfather remained for, for several weeks, and he performed occasionally upon the organ, uh, but he moved on, and I found myself quite in a state of independence at the age of 12. Mm. Not two years later, another young actor joined the company, and his name was Charles Hopkins. And he had the uncanny ability of being able to perfectly capture the mannerisms of the elderly. But he was so fine in form and so handsome. Seeing him upon the stage, one could hardly guess that he was a lad of 17 years. And of course, I did what any normal girl would do in this situation being flung together with him for many, many hours at a time for rehearsals and performances, we fell in love. We were married in Alexandria, a Virginia town not far from here in the spring of 18 and two. I was 15 years old and he was 18. Hmm. Quite young for, for now, for modern times. Uh, was that pretty customary back then to be married at that age or? I had known uh, other ladies who were married at that age. Uh, of course, uh, it, there were some who deemed it inappropriate. But I ask you to remember that my, my parents were dead. My stepfather had moved on, and from the age of 12 to 15, I was quite in a state of independence. I had lived and performed and dined with and rehearsed with the, the players, and in a way, they were my family already. Mm -hmm. With the blessing of our troupe and with the blessing of our friends, Charles and I were very happy. Excellent. And so it was a good relationship. Everything yes. got along well. We were very, very happy for three years. Mm -hmm. And then he passed? He did. Uh, it was a terrible fever. We were in Washington, in the new capital city. Have you been to Washington? I have. Did you know they built that on a swamp? They did. It's a terrible place, and the fevers emanating from the ground were more than Charles could bear. It was a terrible ordeal. The obituary in Richmond said that he had left an affectionate wife to lament his loss, and I was widowed at the age of 18. Mm -hmm. Wow, wow. Uh, yeah, it seems the only swampiness now is the uh, politicians that seem to, to hang around I have there heard. in D.C. I have heard, and that is not much changed either. No. no. Um, did no children? No, no. Charles and I did not have any children together. Uh, in many ways, we were very focused on our work. 
See, for much of that time, we were here in Richmond, and Charles was the manager of our theater troupe. We were on Carey Street, very close to where the canal and the Great Basin were located. Mm-hmm. And the plaudits for our company filled the reviews. And that is where David first joined us, Mr. Poe. Okay. And um, how big of a theater would we be talking about? Is this a, um, I mean, large? We were located in Courier Shop. Okay. Uh, it, it was it was a, a moderate sized building. The theater in Richmond, the Academy Theater, which had stood upon Broad Street, close to the Capitol, had burned in 1798. So there had been temporary theaters established throughout the city while they were working on establishing the new theater. That beautiful theater was not completed until I believe 18 and six or 18 and seven. Okay. And that was built upon the same site as the Academy Theater. Right. And so is there, uh, are there a lot of theaters in Richmond at that time? I mean, it's not an incredible amount of entertainment, I guess, to go to without modern movies and radio and podcasts. Um, or, or is this a unique? I mean, is there, do you know of, uh, of any other, I mean, just the two main theaters or that common, pretty there common was a, thing? There was a Market Hall Theater close to the uh, Shaco Creek where I believe believe today is 17th Street and the Farmer's Market is located there today. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was a market theater there. Um, There were were other small companies about town. And, of course, the community sometimes would form their own Mm -hmm. uh, small informal gatherings uh, to put on various performances when, for instance, we were not in town. Part of the Virginia Company circuit, when we were not located in Richmond, we were traveling... Fredericksburg, Alexandria, Norfolk, Petersburg, Richmond, and traveling the circuit very, very often over the course of a year. Okay. So we would spend approximately a month to three months in each city before moving on. Huh. And the, uh, I mean, successful? I mean, is this, this is going, going well? And I mean, financially, people are coming out to see it? Yes. Yes. Under the management of the West family, it was very successful. Unfortunately, when Mr. West passed away, uh, his wife, Mrs. West, uh, did not seem to have quite the managerial skills that her husband had. Uh, so it, it did suffer just a bit under her management. Uh, thereafter, uh, I was not much involved with that company as I had moved on to Boston with, with my new husband, David. Mm-hmm. And the moving around so much, is there a proper home? Is there a place that you would say was home? Or... It, it, or just just nomadic, just just going everywhere. Oh, as one who spends much of her life traveling, I find that my home is wherever I am happiest and wherever I am with my family. Right. Um, I I will tell people I I am a a Londoner. And and so, as well, you have um, you do have children with David Poe. Yes. Right? Yes. We have three children. And, and and are you actually changing your name as when you get married? Because that seems problematic for an actress. When I married Charles, uh, the, the bills listed me as Mrs. Hopkins, formerly Miss Arnold. Okay. Uh, and then when I married David, a comparable printing was okay. issued to the audience. Um, and... The that's also a happy marriage. Everything. David was a wonderful man. 
We were very happy together for much of our marriage. But there were stressors that seemed to be more than he could bear in a lot of ways. He did not have the theatrical apprenticeship that I had enjoyed under my mother, for instance. Because he lacked this apprenticeship in the theater, he suffered terribly from stage fright. He would stammer, stutter, at times completely forget his lines. And this is at a time when audiences could become perhaps violent if they were displeased with a performance. If that is not the risk, then certainly the theatrical reviewers were, were another stressor. What, what kind of violence? Take, just taking down the team or what? I don't think it would quite reach that point. Uh, Tomatoes? It would not be uncommon for last week's produce to join you upon the stage or for them to start shouting at you to remove yourself from the stage. Uh, Audiences could be quite vocal. In my experience, Norfolk, with a large sailor community, was one of the most difficult audiences to please, but also, in many ways, a place where I have left my heart. It's there where I gave birth to my sweet child, my Rosalie, my last child, would be Mm -hmm. born in Norfolk. And how many children total? I had three children. Three children. Yes. Um, And where are the... The you know are these children following tra- uh, traveling around with you as you're going? Well, our first child, uh, William Henry Leonard, was born in January of eighteen and seven, while we were in Boston. We left him with his grandparents in Baltimore. Uh, when the season in Boston was concluded, we traveled south to perform again in Richmond and in Petersburg, and. David's parents so wished to meet their grandson. We left the child there for several months. Uh, but otherwise, he would return with us. Our second child, little Edgar, would often be in the eaves while his mother performed upon the stage. Uh, Rosalie, as well, I kept by my side when she was born. Unfortunately, when Rosalie was born in December of 18 and 10, I was alone with the care of the children. David had left the family. And I do not know what happened to him. Um, if you have any word of him, please do uh, let him know that I've spoken with you. Mm. Tragic. That's terrible. It, it was. It was. Um, it was. It was very hard for me and for the children. Uh, but the children stayed by my side. After Rosalie's birth, however, I was compelled to return to the stage almost immediately, as I was the only caretaker for only caregiver for my children. After the birth of Rosalie, unfortunately, I was compelled to return to the stage almost immediately as I was the only caregiver for my children. I was forced to take on smaller and smaller roles as my health deteriorated. At that point, I sent Henry to live with his grandparents in Baltimore. I would not see the child again. I did keep Edgar and Rosalie by my side until my death. And, (coughs) excuse me, in the, uh, uh, I, I'm assuming you can't even perform. I mean, are there not a lot of roles for pregnant women? Oh, and, uh, to uh, much to the contrary. I performed very regularly. With each of my children, I was able to perform 
till approximately three weeks before the birth. Huh, I like that. Yes, yes. I, I would often perhaps be cast in, in a role that required a larger character, for instance. I would not be portraying, for instance, a leading lady or little pickle, a very precocious little boy, but I would be performing uh, either a lady in that way or an older matron who could be covered and shrouded as such. Right. Um, and so... It, effectively a single woman, right? I mean, if David is gone, um, there's got to be scandal involved with that as well. Indeed. David, it seems, was unable to cope with some of the reviews that he was receiving. The pressures of the business in many ways changed him. He left us in New York and I don't know what happened to him. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, when they were advertising my benefit, any who could read or who could listen were acquainted with the fact that I was left alone with the care of small children and that my husband had deserted me. Yes, even in that time, newspapers could scarce resist pri- printing private misfortune. Right. Wow. I left New York very shortly after that, as I could not bear to stay. And came to Richmond at that point? or I returned to Virginia. I had always enjoyed great success in Virginia, and I traveled back to Charleston as well during that time. Unfortunately, when I left New York and when those terrible comments were printed in the newspaper I was already with child but David had left us and I did not dare remain in a city where people knew me with a child on the way right absolutely I considered returning to Boston as well but I had been there so very recently with David and the family the mortification would have been more than I could bear yeah, it sounds tough. I mean, and uh, traveling with children is difficult as it is. And then, <laughs> back then, I can only imagine that sounds like a, a heck of an experience. And so when you come back to, you know, basically performing around with different troops uh, at that point, right? And, I mean, is there ever a, a, an option of or a desire to, to try and maybe find honest work that's more consistent, I guess? <laughs> Sir, I take exception to your term honest. It is most honest work. I guess just more consistent that way. Forgive me. Uh, Well, um, consistency is a concern at times. Uh, There are various theatrical companies that I worked with which would allow me to perform for other entities Mm -hmm. if I was not performing for them. Unfortunately, there were some theatrical companies, for instance, in New York City, the company we were hired by, which stated in the contract that until the season began several months in the future, we would not be allowed to perform anywhere. If we are not performing, we are not earning. Right. That, that was a challenge. Uh, that is an, also a contributing factor to my decision to leave New York. Mm. Um, and so you end up at the the the... The, near the end of your life, actually, where living here in Richmond for a while um, is in the... How long had you been here? I guess we were performing with Richmond Theater? I returned to Richmond 
in late summer of 18 and 11, I performed upon the stage in Richmond for fewer than two months. Mm. Uh, as I had mentioned before, I was compelled to take on smaller roles as my health was deteriorating quite quickly. <clears throat> it became quite clear that I was suffering from consumption. And I last performed upon the stage in the Richmond Theater on October the 11th of 18 and 11. Mm-hmm. And, but, but while you're here, you're uh, relatively active in the community, I understand, right? I mean, perform, at least singing at St. John's. Is that, is that, I mean, I, look, I'm just going off rumor, so it may not be true. I did perform in the Masonic Lodge. Okay. Beautiful building uh, that had been constructed the same year as my birth Mm -hmm. uh, in the bottom, as they they call that part of town, the bottom. Mm -hmm. You you get quite ill and and is working and performing at the Richmond Theater. That's a a pretty big theater in the city, though, right? I mean, it's a small role, but I'm imagining it's a pretty... It was a beautiful theater. Mm-hmm. It had been recently constructed, of course, to replace the one that had burned uh, but a few years before, and it was a beautiful brick structure mm-hmm. uh, right upon the hill overlooking the valley and the creek. Sure. Just just behind the Capitol building as that's, well. That's correct. Um, in the, the Courtsend district. And um, the, you know, that's a, it's somewhat tragic, but the your death ends up actually almost saved your life because you may have potentially died in the fire when the theater burned. Did that theater burn as well? Sure did. Oh, what a terrible tragedy. And what a strange coincidence. Mm. It was a pretty strange coincidence. Uh, As I mentioned, uh, Eliza Poe will actually die on December 8th of 1811, and the Richmond Theater will burn on December 26th of 1811. Killed 72 people, uh, including our former governor, uh, William Smith. Um, If you want to hear more about the Richmond Theater Fire uh, and Monumental Church, which is built on top of it, the episode's mostly about Monumental Church, uh, go check out episode 18 with Leslie Naranjo. Um, Really awesome episode there. Uh, But I'm going to go ahead and we're going to switch to talking to Debbie Phillips. She can pick up the story after Eliza's death. Uh, As I mentioned, she is the Director of Operations for uh, Richmond Discoveries. And uh, she actually put together a uh, presentation called The Life and Times of Eliza Poe. Um, So I started out asking Debbie, picking up from Eliza's death... Um, something that most people know, probably one of, the, one of the only things most people know about Eliza Poe, is that she is buried at St. John's Church. It wasn't called St. John's then. Um, it was known as the Church on the Hill or the Town Church. Okay. Um, without a gravestone. That's what we understand. Um, early biographers will claim that, or early Poe biographers that speak about his parents, will claim that the church parishioners objected to her being buried there because of her status as an actress. Mm-hmm. But the fact of the matter is, is the front half of that plot at St. John's, that city block, the front half belongs to the city of Richmond. And that was the only public graveyard until Shaco Hill Cemetery opened in 1822. So there was nowhere else for her to be buried. Right. Um, We do believe that she probably had, at the most, a wooden marker, perhaps, Mm -hmm. which, of course, would not have lasted over the years. Right. Uh, But she being so destitute upon the time of her death... She was relying very heavily those last two months on the charity of the Richmond ladies. 
So undoubtedly, she did not have a proper stone put up. If you visit the site today, um, all we know is that she was buried near the old yew tree. Mm-hmm. And that yew tree came down with Hurricane Gaston in t- mm-hmm. 2004. Uh, today, there is a marker on her grave or, or in the vicinity of her grave. It went up in 1927 mm-hmm. as a collaborative effort between the Poe Shrine, the Raven Society of University of Virginia, and the Actors Guild of New York. But they, they don't know exactly where she is in that area. So if you visit the site today, that marker is not necessarily over her actual grave. Right, sure. Um, and so how does she get involved with the Allens? When or are she, they involved? I don't know. Well, the Allens, from all that we gather, are are pretty active theater goers. Okay. Um, a lot of people in Richmond society were theater goers at that time. Um, it's not until after the Richmond Theater burns a few weeks after her death that you see the ban on theatrical productions in Richmond. Oh, I didn't even realize there was a ban on There was a ban. Um, that being the second theater to have burned on that site. The first one, um, when it burned, there was, I don't believe anyone was killed in that. Okay. And the second one, of course, is a great tragedy. 72 people are killed. And after that, there is a ban on theatrical productions in Richmond for many years. And there are a lot of scholars who will argue that it's during that time that the attitude against actors and actresses really kind of solidifies. They were already rather looked down upon because living in close quarters, performing in what may be considered compromising roles at Mm -hmm. times, being put into compromising situations sometimes upon the stage. Um, Actresses were deemed little better than prostitutes. Right. Actors as well. Mm -hmm. Um, That's why it's so unusual that the ladies of Richmond make it their habit while Eliza's on her deathbed to spend most of their time with her. Uh, Mordecai, Samuel Mordecai, writes about how it is the fashionable place in Richmond is by Mrs. Poe's bedside because the ladies are having their cooks procure delicacies for her. Mm -hmm. And we get the impression that they are perhaps caring for little Edgar and little Rosalie. Edgar is almost three years old when his mother dies. He turns three the next month. Mm -hmm. And Rosalie is not yet one when when uh, her mother passes away. And, uh... Um, this is completely random. To answer your question, um, Mrs. Allen and Mrs. McKenzie were two of those Richmond ladies that were very often at her bedside. Yeah, yeah. I've said this on the podcast before. It's one of, of, of all the, the, the trivial trivia in the world. Um, I guess uh, three non-consecutive governors. Um, and, uh, gosh, not Gilmore. There's a modern-day one. Who, not Gil, it's not Gilmore, that's the name that just came into my head. Um, there's a modern one, but the other two, both uh, William Smith, and both neither William Smith was able to finish their second term. Um, the most random. first one dies in that fire. An the extra second billy. One, an extra billy is the billy. other one. Um, ah. Gilmore. I'm going to have to look that up. It's totally not Gilmore. Um, but, uh, yeah, like I said, the most random of ram- random trivia, the most trivial of trivia. Um, but there it is. But interesting. When that Jeopardy question comes up. Eliza was a Jeopardy question. Oh, really? I am very proud of this. In 2009, for the bicentennial of Edgar's birth, uh, they had a category on Jeopardy dedicated to Poe. Yeah, and oh, okay. one of the answers was, if you visit St. John's Church in Richmond, Virginia, 
you will meet an actress who portrays this woman in Poe's life. Oh, wow. Unfortunately, none of the contestants got it right. Oh, no. Which also, unfortunately, I was not surprised by. Yeah. But uh, I, I was I was very proud that, that I was the actress. I began performing Eliza in 2008, and she fell in my lap. And I, as far as I can tell, I'm the first person to actually develop her into a character, or a standalone character by herself, independent of her son, because she herself has such a story to tell. Right. So... Just a little thing, but Poe was actually an answer last night on Jeopardy. Um, was he? Yeah. Oh. So just totally random. Jeopardy everywhere. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I mean, how and how did you get into, I mean, how did this How did this fall in your lap? What happened here? How, how are we? I had um, just started working as the education manager for the Patrick Henry Committee at St. John's Church. Mm-hmm. So obviously a lot of my time was dedicated to Patrick Henry. Um, the graveyard tour, however, was coming up. And they had always had someone in the past depicting Eliza at her gravesite. And they needed someone to, to portray her. And they uh, said, we need someone younger, long, dark hair, dark eyes. That describes me, mm-hmm. for those of you who can't see. Uh, so she fell in my lap. Uh, that first time I performed her was, as one might say, the Wikipedia version right. of Eliza Poe. But I became very interested in her. Um, I found that there has been a book written about her. It was published back in the 80s. So I've been able to use that. And a lot of the early biographers of Poe, uh, Quinn and Alan especially, that focus a lot on his childhood. Mm -hmm. Um, These sources, along with everything that's been digitized and everything that's available at the Library of Virginia, I I have developed her into... About a 45-minute to an hour-long program. Mm -hmm. I try to find as many of her original songs as possible. I have seven now. I started with one, and I found four a couple of months ago, and I was very excited about that. So she's always growing. The more I find out about her, this program is constantly morphing and evolving, which is true for a lot of my living history characters because she's just one of many. But um, it's, it's exciting to see what she has to show me and what she has to tell me. Sure. And the, uh, I'm just bouncing around like crazy, but what's up with the, uh, the canceled theater? You mentioned that, you know, like, did they outlaw theater? There, there was a ban on productions in Richmond for many years. Do you know how, have any idea how long, like ballpark? There is a scholar named Meredith. Oh. Yeah, Han- Meredith Hannah Baker. The great thing is that right now, if anyone who's like like 90% of the people that are listening to this right now just heard that and just reached in their pocket because they thought they got a message on their phone. Um, but yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, Meredith Hennebaker has written a great book. I believe it came out in 2010 or 2011. It may have been for the bicentennial of the fire in 2011 okay. on the Richmond Theater fire mm-hmm. and the fallout from that and the construction right. of the church and a lot of details about Robert Mills the architect and the design of the church so that would be a really great resource mm-hmm. to look to to find more specific details about the band that's interesting she would be a very interesting person to speak I'd like to she's actually on um, and at one point there's so many people that I keep I, she came up on my radar and then I just completely got busy and didn't do other things I need to do other things um but there's just too many fantastic, interesting people to talk to. There's Richmond has such 
amazing stories and so much out there still to learn. Yeah, no, absolutely. This is, and I love what you do because. Well, thank you very much. That way, you know, if if individuals aren't able to attend a program where they may see Eliza, we can they can still learn about her. And so, how is it going to affect? Um, how is this going to affect Edgar? Right, because um, she, how old is she? Three. He's <coughs> he's three when she dies, right? Almost. Three. Almost three. Yes. So not, I mean, his let her legacy. I mean, she's still famous. People still know. Her death is reported in obituaries up and down the East Coast. Mm-hmm. In Richmond, the obituary says uh, that by the death of this lady, the the stage has been deprived of one of its chief ornaments. Mm-hmm. She had received such wonderful reviews over the course of her life that she was remembered in in many cities with the passing of her death uh, with 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 her passing. Um, trying to think of some of the other reviews that she got so you have an imp- an idea of uh, the impression she made. Uh, she was called a brilliant gem in the theatrical crown. But like is he uh, is he aware of that? Right? Because he obviously can't read at two and a half. Um, Probably not. So Well he <laughs> He was a smart guy but I don't know. <laughs> for me personally my some of my earliest memories are from when I'm two and a half getting on to be three years old mm-hmm. and they're they're hazy but they're impressionable and i imagine a young edgar watching his mother on upon the stage she's this beautiful ethereal creature she was called by many the handsomest woman in america that's what i was going to ask i mean because she, i know there's the weird uh what's most commonly it's like a drawing that is um yeah, that one right there, and it's normally. I mean, I mean, you know, whoever painted that, sorry for your ancestors, but I mean, you know, it looks like some sort of, you it, know, it's deformity. No, it's not very well done. There are a lot of because um, when people look at this, they can see that there's beauty there, but her face is not drawn to scale. Her eyes are much too large. Um, there's she's got a big fat neck. She has a very strange neck. Um, she has a bit of a bug-eyed appearance about her. She was said to have had an interesting figure. And that is a direct quote from okay. a review. We take that to mean that she was... And we know that she was very petite. So she was short and thin. But interesting figure. And as you can see here, it appears that she was very well endowed right. in her chest. I was going to say. Um, this is a miniature. Which in- which is very interesting. Yes. It's very interesting. <laughs> I know. Many people find that interesting. Very interesting. <laughs> this is a miniature that we believe dates to about 18 and 2, right around the time that she would have been married to Charles. So we think that this is her right around the age of 15, but there are some that believe that this is based on another work that doesn't either doesn't survive or we don't, we don't know where it is. Right. Because it looks like it's a copy. Sure. Of something else. And I'm going to post, I'll post, post this picture on yes. historyreplacetoday.org. And, and the original of this Facebook is with um, the Free Library in Philadelphia. They have okay. The and how big is that? It's, so it's, it's, a, it's not an very big. It's, it's very small. So that's why it looks weird that it's blown up. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. Probably it's small. It probably looks nice just with the uh, giant eyes. Yes. The because the eyes really pop, yeah, right. things pop out at you. <laughs> yeah. Um, the uh, yeah. I, I, if, if if I may, um, yeah. going 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 back to Go how this may have affected Edgar. Right. right um, yeah. 
if he's watching his beautiful mother upon the stage, she must be elevated in some way in his and you're getting into child psychology here, which is not my field, sure. admittedly. But then she starts suffering terribly from the after effects of tuberculosis. She died of consumption today. We know that's tuberculosis. Mm-hmm. People who suffer from that, of course, have terrible racking coughs, blood frothing up. And we know from the records that she had her children by her side. For a young child to watch his beautiful, beautiful mother cough up blood, I imagine must have made quite an impression on young Edgar. And if you read his later works, he seems to have a little bit of a preoccupation in his horror stories with beautiful women dying young, very often with blood in or around their mouth or their face. Mm -hmm. Uh, Berenice comes to mind particularly with the the teeth and the blood coming Mm out. a lot of people, and I, I, a lot of people will claim that there's no way he could have remembered that. But from my own experience, knowing that some of my earliest memories come from before I'm three, I, I, I think that that would have possibly made a very strong impression. On well, and I guess him. I just wonder, I mean, because you would have to, um, you know, thanks, knock on wood, my mom is still alive. But I mean, if she would have died young, I probably would have at least research it. I mean, and especially, I guess my, you know, the thing I'm interested in is if she was famous enough that, you know, when she's older, people are saying, oh, you're the actress's kid. You know, like before he becomes a writer or, you know, or is it just you're the kid that John Allen adopted? My impression is that he was known as both. Okay. So, I mean, he would have at least known that she died from that, right? That would have been knowledge. I mean, even whether he, you know, yes. has a visual memory of it, he would have at least known that that's, Mom was, you know, some hottie who, uh, you know, died coughing up blood. I mean, that he would later claim that his parents died in the, in the theatrical fire. Oh, really? He will he will make that claim, and that is not true. But huh. he had a he had a tendency in some cases to embellish his life a right. little bit, uh, to make, make it more exciting or more appropriate for the image he was trying to. Uh, yeah, that was one of my favorite <laughs> things. And uh, uh, talking to. Chris, uh, something about the about the episode just about Poe, uh, his fictional resume that he had put together, where he I I can't even remember all the stuff, but he was like fighting in some wars that yes. were like across the world, and you know saving babies out of fires and stuff, and um, you know which is exciting, you know it's it uh, <laughs> makes me may want to go run a uh, revise my resume right now, Let's see what I can come up. It with. It seems to have worked for Edgar at least a little bit. Right, sure. <laughs> Um, the, uh, but is she, I guess one of the things that she is, you know, known here in the city, um, but is, you know, I guess, is it famous? You know, it's, it's a kind of a weird, you know, um, I guess it's a strange, you know, like people, it's a small town. So it's not like, uh, you know, she's going to be walking around the streets, right? I kind of think about, uh, you know, kind of picturing that, you know, like in in New York or whatever, I'm sure, like around, you know, you know, L.A., famous people. It's like people that live there. It's like, yeah, you know, whatever. There goes Lady Gaga or, you know, or whatever it is. Um, I wonder if it would be, I, I don't even know what the heck I'm saying, but it just seems like um, fame within that small globe would be really difficult to exist other than just like hey you're the lady that did that last night 
right? I don't know. I, I don't unfortunately, know well, unfortunately, Eliza doesn't leave us any of her written records. We have she one. Okay. We have one note uh, that Quinn actually has a copy of in his book, um, where she's thanking someone in Norfolk. Okay. And presumably, she writes that close to the time of her death. Mm-hmm. But she didn't leave us letters that we know of, journals, diaries. So we don't we don't know how it affected her on a day-to-day basis if she wasn't at the theater rehearsing and she was going about her business at the market we unfortunately we don't know how that would have affected her and do we know is she a diva i mean is she like cool with people or is she you know like she's seen yes uh um everyone who who met her it seems was very impressed with her um david poe's sister mariah later Mm -hmm. clem um edgar's dear muddy his Mm -hmm. mother-in-law uh remembers eliza visiting shortly after uh, the first son's birth. Okay. Mariah at the time was 17, and she says, um, i trying to remember exactly how she phrases it, she says that she was uh, a delightful creature and that Mariah was quite devoted to her. So she seems to have been very sweet, very kind. Um, all the impressions that we have for about anything that's written about her is that she is very promising, very sweet, and doesn't seem to look down on others. Now, in New York, there is one review that says that they we, we cannot perform because of the sudden indisposition of Mrs. Poe. So that one review has been taken by some critics to mean that, you know, she didn't fulfill her obligations perhaps at times and, and trying to draw a link between a character trait there mm-hmm. with some of Poe's character traits but that remember in in the earlier interview I mentioned that um, the theatrical manager in New York said that they could not perform anywhere else without breaking their contract and Mm -hmm. he could have sued them that was the performance she does not appear for the performance that she had already arranged because she's in danger of breaking her contract Right. Unfortunately, she doesn't seem to communicate that to her colleagues who are waiting for her to come and sing so instead, they they print in the newspaper that, unfortunately, because of the sudden disappearance of Mrs. Poe, we are unable to perform. Very gossipy. Very, yes. Mm-hmm. Just like today's uh, actors and actresses. Yes. <laughs> um, the, uh, that seems awesome, right? I mean, is there other stuff that, we, that I skipped that I didn't think about? There, well, uh, something that some of your viewers are probably desperate to hear about Listeners, is... They may, they may view it by just staring at the phone, but it's just, just listening. <laughs> your viewers. <laughs> your, your listeners. Um, the paternity of Rosalie mm-hmm. is often quest- questioned, and unfortunately, John Allen mm-hmm. is one of the first people to really kind of put that out there. Okay. He writes a letter to Edgar's older brother, Henry, in November of 1824. Edgar is 15 years old. He, uh, you know, his, his first real infatuation has died not too long before Jane Craig Stannard he has become very melancholy and John Allen is writing to Henry saying you know I see that Edgar received this letter from you but he hasn't written you back yet and truly he is miserable sulky and ill-tempered he shows us no gratitude Uh, and then he goes on to mention your poor sister or at least she is your half-sister oh wow and then he goes on to say but let us not um, place upon the living the sins of the dead or something something along those lines. 
Uh, so very much throwing into question whether or not David is the legitimate father right. of the third child. And huh. the documents, unfortunately, do not support Eliza in this case. Right, okay. David Poe disappears from the theatrical record in New York City in October of 1809. Mm-hmm. In December of 1809, there is a letter to the editor published anonymously on his behalf, telling the theater critics, you've been unfair to Mr. Poe. He does have talents. He does have skills. You are not being just. Because at this time, there was a... Um, the reviewer for the Polyanthus had christened David Dan Dilly because he had mispronounced another character's name in a play. It was supposed to be Dan Dilly, and he said Dan Dilly, apparently. And, mm-hmm. and after that, there was nothing that Dan Dilly could do correct. And he, he was just being slammed for anything he did. Um, I, I believe it was in... It must have been still in Boston when one of the reviewers said, we came expecting little satisfaction of Mr. Poe, and we were not disappointed. Wow, that's pretty awesome. And those are the kind of reviews he's receiving while his wife is being called a brilliant gem in the theatrical crown, right. the favorite of the public, the delight of the eye, etc. and so forth. And that, a lot of people will speculate that creates a pretty stressful intense situation in their home life yeah um getting shown up by a woman jeez come on exactly um Rosalie is born December late December of 1810 if we can do the math that has the conception date in March of Mm -hmm. 1810 David is not in the records he hasn't appeared in the records as a player since October. So we don't know where he is. A lot of people will presume that he's already gone. He may, though, be with the family. That's part of my research goal is to find out, to try to find other paper trails of him. What mm-hmm. happened to him? Was he still with the family in New York, just not performing? Was he doing something else? Or was he not doing anything? I have no right. idea. Um, it's not until July that those reviews or not not the reviews but the um, advertisements for the benefit come out where they say that mrs poe is left alone with the care of several children at that point she's already three months pregnant Mm -hmm. so we don't know if david was there or not right there is another candidate unfortunately for eliza when david left the family after edgar's birth he left the family in boston for several months and we know that he goes down to beg money of his wealthier relations they refuse him she is cast opposite one of the most eagerly anticipated actors in America at that time. While David's gone, it all correlates. His name is John Howard Payne, and he's known as the Roskius of America. To explain, all of the great actors and actresses in America had been born in England. Mm-hmm. So America was waiting for the first great American-born actor. And right. this guy, John Howard Payne... Didn't have to go to London to train. He didn't have to be British to do Shakespeare. And that's what America was waiting for. It was an American who mm-hmm. could do Shakespeare. And he was Hamlet. She was his Ophelia. He was Romeo. She was his Julia. Uh, Juliet. He was Othello. She was his Desdemona, etc. and so forth. During those two or three months that David's gone, she is performing opposite him for his massive American debut. Mm-hmm. He performed in small parts before that, but this was in Boston. It was it was very eagerly anticipated, and they both receive wonderful reviews. And that's when she has that very profitable benefit. David returns 
and it's right after that they go to New York City. And we don't know whose choice that was. We don't know if it was a joint decision or if David, as head of the household, came home and said, okay, we're going to New York City now. Boston's been awful. Mr. Buckingham over here won't leave me alone. That awful critic. Right. So let's go to New York City. And, of course, it's no better there for him because that's where he's christened Dan Dilly. <laughs> and that reviewer is described as a rosy-faced urchin. So he doesn't, he doesn't seem to be a very nice guy. Um, and he makes a lot of enemies. John Howard Payne is in New York City mm-hmm. in March of 1810 playing Romeo to Eliza's Juliet, playing Hamlet to her Ophelia. Right. That's in that time period. That conception of Rosalie is happening. Mm-hmm. We don't know where David is. So a lot of people will, and honestly, it, it, it kind of boils my blood a little bit because a lot of people will just make the supposition then that, well, of course, John Howard Payne is the father. Right. That's why it's one of my goals to find out what happened to David because we can't say that with any... Sure. ...assurity. Right. And so many people making that claim with surety, I, I, am, I am disturbed by... <laughs> I've been portraying her now for almost seven years, so I feel very personal right. with it. Um, she's uh, I, calling I feel, you a tramp. I feel like in a lot of ways I, I, I know her mm-hmm. um, because you spend so much time studying one person, you really start to feel like you right. know them, which of course is problematic because <laughs> she didn't leave us any of her journals or her letters, so a lot of it is I'm having to interpret, well, how would a woman at this time period feel in this situation? Right. So when you see the actual presentation that's there's a lot of interpretation that's going sure. into that huh well then hopefully you can find that out and i guess but uh she's no tramp this, uh, <laughs> yes. that's awesome and i appreciate appreciate you talking to me certainly and certainly. Uh, uh and eliza as well excellent thank you very much debbie uh, thank you very much, Debbie Phillips. Thank you very much to Elizabeth Arnold Poe. Uh, keep an eye out. See Elizabeth Arnold Poe around. Go check out uh, Richmond Discoveries. Again, it's richmonddiscoveries.com. Um, check out their Facebook page as well. And by the way, from the Corrections Department, um, the non-William Smith, non-consecutive Virginia governor is Mills Godwin. Uh, Mills Godwin also holds the distinction as the only Virginia governor elected under t- uh to elect two different uh, political parties. Um, He was actually elected in in 1970 uh, as a Democrat and then as a Republican in 1978. Between the two terms there is uh, Linwood Holton. Pretty interesting. You got, uh, I believe it's two elementary schools named for them, but yeah. Let me know what you think, as always, and there it is. That's what happened. So... Make it a great day.